Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Well, good morning. How y'all doing? You sounded like you were doing pretty good, I'm not going to lie. Uh, and if you're like me, reaching for the hanky on that last song, I mean, just such a powerful reminder of God's faithfulness. So, well, if you have your Bible, uh, we are in the final week of our Unexpected Jesus series. And if you, uh, you want to turn in your Bible or your Bible app, uh, as I know it works for a lot, or if you just want to watch on the screen, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians for a few minutes this morning, starting in chapter 3, and then we'll, we'll move around a little bit. Um, while you're getting there, uh, let me make a confession that will probably not surprise you. Uh, I, I love <clears throat> visiting churches. I, uh, when I'm, if I'm out traveling and Tam and I, this has driven her nuts for years. Vacation was always an opportunity to, oh, where are we going? Let's look up a church. Let's go see that. And a lot of times we'll visit places that, you know, sort of look like Cape Cod Church or maybe we're looking for new practices. How's somebody else doing it? A place to worship and things like that. But also I have, uh, I've enjoyed, I love visiting beautiful cathedrals. I mean, I just, uh, and I've, I've gotten over the years uh, to visit quite a few of them uh, here in the U.S., the, uh, the National Cathedral in Washington. Years ago as a teenager, I got to visit St. Anne de Beaupre in Quebec with its long stairway full of people praying on those stairs and uh, some years ago, uh, Brittany and I were in Paris, and we got to visit Notre Dame before the fire, and just, I mean, just incredible, incredible uh, beauty. We got to visit uh, Westminster Abbey, and then one of my favorites, we got to visit the, uh, the ruins of St. Andrew's Cathedral, which was built around, I think, a little after 1000 AD. I mean, just the ruins and the history was just, was just beautiful. Um, we got to visit, uh, we were in Italy some years ago, visiting one of our daughters who was studying abroad and uh, got to visit Santa Croce in, um, uh, in Florence, which is called the Church of Heroes. And it's amazing. It's just a, a cataloging uh, of the people who are buried there and the influence they've, they've had on the world. And then maybe one of the most interesting, we were in Rome and got to visit San Clemente, which is a church built on top of a church, built on top of a pagan temple, built on top of what they think is a church from the very first century, a house church. It's fascinating. If you ever get there, it's, it's certainly worth seeing. Um, uh, we, could, we could stand in the lobby after and swap stories and your favorite place and my favorite place, and we would bore everybody to tears around us. But my favorite, my, my most beautiful and most memorable was a house church, what they call an underground church in China that I got to visit years ago. I actually went twice, and in between, they had moved buildings. They were meeting in a rented space to begin with, and then they kind of an office space. And then they, they moved to meeting in a hotel. I, I know that sounds odd. It's like it's an underground illegal church, and they're meeting in a hotel. But it's a, it was a unique system, and things have changed in China since then. This is before the, uh, the Olympics and, uh, in, in 08. And 
We went into this hotel. This is my memory of it. We, we went in with the pastor, uh, Peter, and uh, I was going to be speaking that morning, but really, I just felt honored to have been there. We had, we had already uh, been to a baptism service. It was held in a hotel room in the bathtub. It was one of the most beautiful baptisms I've ever seen. And so we went to this church, and we walked into the hotel lobby. And as we were going in, they, they said, oh, oh you, 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 you should take your Bible and put it in your briefcase or your bag. They knew what we were doing. The church had rented a space, a meeting room, on like the seventh floor, but there was a little, a little cat and mouse game you played, and so you didn't have your Bible out when you walked through the lobby. You kept it in a, a briefcase or a bag. I remember that. I remember how different it was than the experience we had, and I remember how things just, it was so different. And then we took the elevator up and we, we got off on the seventh or eighth floor, whatever it was. And I remember walking into the room where I would be speaking that was already uh, full of, of, of people, perhaps a hundred or so. And I remember how normal it looked. It just looked like a hotel conference room with chairs and a screen up front. There was a screen up front, and they had a little video projector. And they put the words to the song, just, just like we do. And then I remember singing with this congregation because I knew the sound. I didn't understand the words they were saying, but it was the same songs that we often sang. Some of them were hymns and some of our worship songs. And I remember just getting there and being able to sing along in, in my own language and worshiping with these people who didn't enjoy the same freedoms that we had, but the, the, the passion that they had for worship and the bond that we immediately felt as brothers and sisters in Christ. It was easily one of the most memorable church services I've ever been a part of. One of the most memorable, beautiful churches. No cathedral. Not even full freedom. I, I, here's my suspicion. If you had been there, you would have said the exact same thing. It wouldn't have been hard to recognize. You would have instantly thought, oh, this is beautiful. Here's the reason. 2,000 years ago, Jesus did something. He gave us something. And he changed something for, forever. And it was so different and so unexpected. But we, we know it today because we're living it out this morning. This this thing called church. See, we've come to know that the church is a body, not a building. We, we, we're grateful for the building we have and, and, and what God allows us to do because of it. But, but we recognize that, 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 that a church is, is not just a, a, a building. It's not an organization. It's an organism. It's not, it's not a building. It's a, it's a, a, a body. It's, 
Here's, here's what it says. Let me, let me go to the scriptures. That's always a good place. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Jesus is uh, about to, to change something. There's a shift that's coming here. And he says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God lives in you. You see, Jesus is he, he's changing things. He's, he, there, up until now, his listeners were used to the building. The, the building started out in the wilderness when the Israelites were wandering as a, a tabernacle, literally a tent and uh, an outer court, an inner court, and a holy of holies, but it was a tent. And then David would famously design a temple, but he wouldn't get to build it. His son, Solomon, would get to build that beautiful temple. And, and, and those, that, that tabernacle and that temple, that was, the, that, that was the, the residing place of the presence of God. Literally, the Spirit of God came and rested in that place. But, but Jesus is saying something different. He, he, he's saying that the, the game has changed. The world is changing because I'm here and because of what I'm doing. This is all changed. It's no longer a building. It's, it's a body. And in fact, what he's saying here is that you you, your, your body is the temple of God. Literally, when you, when you embrace Jesus Christ, we talked about this the very first week when we talked about born again and, and the implications of that. And when you say yes to Jesus, his spirit literally comes to dwell in you. I was reading a verse the other night that says, when Jesus promised the comforter will come, he says he is with you and he will be in you. When the spirit is come, when Jesus is left and the spirit has come, he comes and he dwells in us. And, and what Jesus is doing here is he's establishing something that's new. He's saying, listen, the Spirit of God is no longer taking up residence in a building. It's taking up residence in you, in your body. But there's more. He's saying your, your bodies collectively make up the body of Christ, the church. Let me read to you. If you shift forward a few pages to chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, here's what he says in verse 12. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. And now he introduces this term. Maybe you've heard people say it before, the church as the body of Christ. Like we collectively make up this body of Christ. Here's what he says next. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share in the same Spirit, And so he's introducing to us this idea. We've already seen that when we say yes to Jesus Christ, his spirit comes and dwells inside of us. But now he's collectively introducing this second idea that the spirit doesn't take up residence in a building. It takes up residence in your body and our bodies collectively, like all the mini temples, you're a mini temple. All of those bodies collectively are his body, what we call the universal church of Christ. I like referring 
referring to the capital C Church of Christ, right? That's his church. And this church is a local expression. All of our bodies are little temples where the Spirit of God resides, collectively coming together. We are the body of Christ in this place. Do you see? He's unveiling something that's new. And do you see the implications for a church that's meeting on the seventh floor in a meeting room in China? You can see that's the body of Christ. It didn't need a building. It didn't need a lot of people. It was just a, it was a gathering place and God was at work. And instantly, the moment you were there, you knew it. This is like, this is holy ground. God is at work here because of what he's doing in his spirit, in these people collectively together. He's not done. Same chapter, next verse, verse 14. He goes on to say, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part, but our bodies have many, uh, verse 18, jump down to that, verse 18, our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. He's talking now the body of the church, right? He's placed you in the church. He's placed you in the body. He's put you in the seat where you're at. You thought you picked it on your own, but he picked it for you, right? He's like, he's like, listen, I put you in this place. He, I, I, I've got a plan for your life. How, how strange, verse 19, how strange a body would be if it only had one part. He's, he's being funny here. You can laugh. It's okay, right? It's like, 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 how strange would it be if the church were just one giant mouth? Just, our, which I, I guess, you know, I'm probably the guy that talks the most. Like, but that would be strange. That's not, that's not what he intended, right? Or, or what if the whole church were a pinky? Like, what would you get done? He's, this is what he's saying, right? He's saying, yes, there are many parts, verse 20, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In other words, listen, something, something very, very powerful happens when you're together, right? Like the, the, body, is, the body is powerful. It accomplishes my purposes. It does, it does things collectively that you can't do, you can't do individually. This is, this is what he's doing through his church. In fact, the next verse, verse 22 says, uh, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. I, I think that's a good reminder. Don't, don't overestimate somebody's worth. You can pick whoever you want. From me right on down through every person or staff to the person that you think has the most impact. Don't, ever, don't overestimate somebody's worth in the body, but don't underestimate anybody's worth. Like every member matters in the body. That's what he's saying here. All of you, verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. You see what he's saying? The church is not a building that you attend. It's not just a an event that you experience. Though we have a building and you are attending the building this morning. And in some ways, it's an event and what an experience worship is. Like it's an experience. It's emotional sometimes. But the, the, the church is more than that. It's a, a body that you belong to. That's something different, right? It's not, just a, it's not just an event and like, whoa, man, that was amazing. 
That's, that's, a, that's an event you experience, but, but being a part of a body, belonging to a body is, is something different. It's not just a building we walk into and we, we check off the box, right? And, and I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. You know it, right? But we're, uh, sometimes it's just good to have a reminder. And the body is this thing we, we, we belong to. And I, and I recognize that, that we're all on a spectrum of belonging. I went to... I went to my very first college basketball game uh, a couple weeks ago. I, I don't know. I've just never been to a college basketball game, never, never been a thing. But my son is going to be attending Providence College in the fall, and they're having a good run. So we decided, hey, let's go. We went with uh, some friends uh, who are also going to school there, and we went to our first college basketball game. Like, I'm like, it's Providence. It's Rhode Island. If you're from Rhode Island, no offense. Right? <laughs> like, I never even heard of the Duncan Center. I'm like, who plays at the Duncan Center, right? And so we park. I mean, literally, I parked a block from the, I mean, I, literally, I could have thrown a stone from my parking space. And then we walked in. And I'm like, whoa! Like, literally, I didn't know that many people lived in Rhode Island. It was like 13,000 crazy people. I mean, it was like, like I feared for the safety of my heart. It was just like the place was just, they were on fire and they were winning and we're, we're sitting up in this section and I'm just like, I'm like, what? What is this? Like not what I expected. I had actually just come from a high school game. Completely different vibe. And we had lost. It wasn't a great night to start out with. And I said, we're like, this is like, I mean, people are, and I'm trying to figure out. Now, honestly, here's what I thought. I probably felt like a lot of you who visit Cape Cod Church for the first time feel. Like you walk in and go, whoa, 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 crazy people. <laughs> like what's going on? That person's hands are up in the air. That big dude on the stage is going to fall through if he jumps any harder. <laughs> like he is happy. Like what is going on? Like man. Like, I mean, I was, I was sitting there going, and I, I said to, there was a, another student and his dad, the dad's a friend, and I'm like, I looked at him, I'm like, where do all these people come from? What, like, who are they? He's like, oh, like fans, friends, alumni, people in Rhode Island that got nothing better to do. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, these, this, place is on, this place is on fire, right? But I'm not sure I belong. Like, I'm going to pay tuition, but I, that's a limit. Like, that, that's, my, that's my limit. I'm not sure, like, I'm in. I'm like, I'm in the second balcony, third seat, and I'm comfortable. I'm just taking it all in. But I'm sitting right behind the student section. And I'm going to tell you something. The student section behaved differently than our section did. They dressed differently. They behaved differently. They sang differently. They cheered differently. They drank differently. That's another issue. They needed a sermon, but that's a separate thing. They, they were not giving me a microphone, right? So, so, and I recognize that like those kids right down there, because they put the, they put the student section like right behind, uh, right behind the baskets on either side. I'm like, those kids belong. This is, this is, their, this is their house. They, they belong. And I, I think what, what I'm saying here is that, that when, when church becomes a body you belong to, not just a, an event that you experience or a, a building that you come to, when it becomes a, a body, a, a people that you belong to, 
behave differently. I mean, it just, it just changes things, man. It just, it wraps us up. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we start singing like Ryan does. I, I will never sing like Ryan does. I, I was out in the hallway when he was singing that first song, and I'm like, it's a good thing his voice sounds good because it is everywhere. <laughs> it does sound good, though, brother. I love you. Right, man? So I, I want to take a couple of minutes and just talk practically about, about, about how belonging makes us behave in the church. I just want to give you some, some practical applications. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you three practical applications. I'm going to give you three things you can do. And then uh, we're going to finish by a prayer, not just for us, but for the, the capital C church and what God is doing in our region as we gather with the church next weekend for Thrive. But I, w- I want to give you three things that I think are, are a part of, of belonging, a part of, like, like when, you, when you come from that you know, third balcony down and you enter like somewhere around the student section. Maybe you don't have to live in the student section. That's a little bit crazy, but, but you, you, you belong. So here's, here's the first thing. Um, and and it, you got notes. This is the last week for those right things to write in. So if you've been waiting, this is your week. We, we worship in celebration. We worship in celebration. So you remember uh, in uh, our story project, in that Vision Sunday, we, we said we want a culture of, of celebration that reflects heaven. That's what worship is, right? It's a culture of, of celebration that reflects. It's not just, like, we don't just celebrate to celebrate. Like, we don't, we don't just go, oh, look at all the people. Oh, they sound good. They sound good. That's not what we're doing, folks. Like, that's, that's not, like, like when, when we applaud a song, and I love that we applaud, man, bring it on. Bring it on. But when we applaud, we're applauding the message of the song. We're like, man, I believe that, and that message transformed my life. It's transforming my life, or I'm asking God to transform my life like that. When we do that, that's a culture of celebration, and it reflects heaven. That's, that's worship. Let me, let me show you how that plays out in a whole bunch of different areas. This is a great passage. Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, down to verse 28 and 29. I'm going to read this in, uh, this is what it says in the New Living Translation, which is what we most often read of out of here, right? Uh, Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear, that's respect and awe. For our God is, is a devouring fire. Whew. Let, me, let, me, let me read this. I was going through this and reading it in a few translations, and I came across the message. Now, the message isn't a Bible translation. It's a, it's a paraphrase of the Bible. So what you should think of it is, is every verse, it's like a mini sermon, right? It's just like, it's meant to kind of punch at us. And, but boy, it's, it, this was powerful, so I wanted to read it to you. Hebrews chapter 12, same two verses. Here's how Eugene Peterson paraphrased it in the message. He said, do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He is actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn, and he won't quit until it's all cleansed. 
God himself is a fire. God is at work in the world and he is taking what's wrong and he's setting it to right, both in me and in the world around me. And one day that work will be completely finished. But until that day, we should know this, he is at work. And when we come together in worship, we are recognizing, we are celebrating that God with respect and awe when we walk in a building and we fellowship together around his word, when we open the scriptures and we read it and we amen it and we applaud it in our soul and we apply it, we are worshiping when we sing songs collectively and lift our voices. We're taking the message of God, his work in the world, setting what's wrong to right. We're celebrating that with respect and awe don't you see what we have? Do you see what he's doing here? This is what worship is. And so when we come in, listen, I'm not telling you, you gotta, you know, you gotta put your hands in the air. I'm, I, I grew up, I grew up with conservative, real, real conservative. And uh, so I like my hands, they're incapable of getting above my waist. I get like this high and the Holy Spirit stops me. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Like, but man, I'm just like, man, it's in my... I'm like, that, that's, it's a culture of celebration. We, we worship in celebration. When I was at, at that, that Providence game, I mean, people were going crazy. I mean, it, in fact, like some point in the middle of the service, if you've been following PC because they're having this, this record here, uh, the, the whole crowd together started singing their new favorite song by Taylor Swift from 2009. They're singing this like Taylor Swift song, you belong to me. I mean, there's like thousands of college students and it makes sense. I mean, this song's like, what? I don't know, 13 years old and they were like seven or eight and that was who loved Taylor Swift, right? And so they're like, this is our time. This is our song, you belong to me. And I mean, I'm like, what world? I mean, I took a video of it and sent it to the family. I'm like, what world am I in that there's like 13,000 people singing Taylor Swift's you belong to me? How did this happen? So it shouldn't make, listen, that's weird. <laughs> but it was fun. I mean, you know, you go to Red Sox and sing Sweet Caroline, whatever, you know. No different, folks. Let me tell you something. When the church comes together and we worship in celebration, we're, we're, not, we're not just picking a random song. We're, we're worshiping God who is a consuming fire, who is setting what's wrong to right and he's doing it in me and he's doing it in the world around me and and and, and we come to this place and we lift our voices in song and we open the word and we reconcile ourselves to the word that's what worship looks like and so you you want to you want to be a part of a body worship and celebration i'm not telling you how loud you have to sing or how high you have to raise your hands i'm just coming listen come and be a part of it be a part of the word be a part of the singing be a part of the fellowship and worship in celebration of what god is doing. All right, I got two more. I'll be quick about them. Here's the second. Uh, give generously. Give generously. You probably already filled that one in, like you knew, oh, he, I think I know where he's going. But listen, here, here's something we've always made a point of at Cape Cod Church. We, we don't think that, that giving is something we do out of, of guilt or of necessity, right? It, it's, it's meant to be literally, the scriptures say, a cheerful heart. And in fact, th this verse here, I think, sums it up. Matthew uh, chapter 6, 
in verse 12. It says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So just what, what is giving? Giving is matching my, my treasure to my heart. It's, it's like, I, listen, I believe in what God is doing in this place. That's what giving is. It's like, I believe in it. I want to be a part of that. But giving is a, it's an investment in what God is doing. It's, it's me saying, I, like, I believe at the deepest core. That's why we could go through, listen, we went through a pandemic and on the other side of that, and, and, and I, was, I was so encouraged by the faithfulness of God's people. I can't tell you. Like, like oh, we're going to close the church for three months. What's going to happen? Nothing. We just, just went along. We believe in the work that God is doing in his people, his body. And that's what it looks like when we give generously. We're, we're matching our, our, our treasure to our heart. We're investing in what we believe in. Like we believe in the work that God is doing through his church and in this world, and it's why we invest in it. One of my, my grandfather, I've, I've talked a little bit last week about my, my grandfather. My grandfather was an Irish immigrant, came over as a teenager, and he was Plymouth Brethren. Um, and uh, if your brethren uh, background, then catch me in the lobby. We'll, we'll catch up like old times and um, really, really old times. But it, it, I, I'm so grateful for a heritage of faithfulness in him. And so he, he ended up being the leader. Uh, in the gospel hall. They called their churches gospel halls. And they were all very small, maybe 10, 15, 20 people. But he was the leader of the gospel hall in Holyoke, Massachusetts. I remember going there as a young child. I mean, it was just this little, this little room. And I mean, I, my, my memory is dust. It was just dusty, right? And their services looked completely different than ours, but they, they were just so faithful in the Lord. So he ended up being sort of the de facto leader. I told you a couple of weeks ago, they didn't, they didn't really believe in pastors. So, but they didn't believe in him, but they actually had one who was my, my grandfather, right? He was the guy that week in and week out led the teaching. My grandfather died in the early 80s, and when he died, the, the congregation uh, kind of merged with another. There, was, there wasn't a lot of people left, and so they went. And I inherited my grandfather's library when I went off to Bible college in 1986. And it was a great joy. Um, I got my my great-grandfather's Bible and a collection of Bibles from my grandfather. And he just loved books. I mean, I just have, I had shelves of books. But I brought, this this is my, this this is probably my most uh, prized possession from my grandfather. Because uh, this is, I have the ledger books for the little gospel hall in Holyoke, Massachusetts, going back to 1898. So this is, this is actually the first entry. I've got to make sure it doesn't fall apart. The first entry in there is um, from March. This is March to August of 19, or 1898. And the first line says, received by offerings, $14 on March 5th, 1898. And then it's just like a book. It's just like a book, a, a, a history of the generosity of this, this tiny little congregation of what God uh, gave to them and then how they gave it out and how they supported missionaries. And, you know, here's a, you know, a, a, to a, a, a ministry in Brookdale for a dollar. It was 1901. I'm like, what a... What, what a heritage, a, a, a heritage of, of generosity, of faith. I love, I love looking at that. And I'll, I'll tell you this. I know for, I, I, I inherited 
from my grandparents the habit of, of giving and investing in God's work through the church. It was just, just always been a part of our life. And a lot of you are like that. A lot of you grew up and it's just second, it's second nature. But for some of you, it's like, it's like brand new. So let me just give in practical terms what Tammy and I have found and I think what a lot of other people have found. If you want to live a life of generosity and investing in what God is doing through his Bible, I think there's two keys. One is give regularly. And by regularly, just listen, tie it to what God is giving you. If, you. if you receive a paycheck weekly or biweekly or monthly or however you get it, but, but, but connect what you are giving to what God is giving you. There's a regularity that is a connection to God's faithfulness in your life. And then here's the other thing I would say, give proportionately. And by proportion, I mean a portion or a, what we call a percentage. Now, the Bible gives us the idea of a tithe, which is, 10%. And listen, we don't, we don't teach or preach that legalistically here, but here's what I would say about a tithe. Jesus affirmed this as a guide for generosity. Maybe for you, it's just a goal. Like one day, I want to be able to do that. Or one day, I want to go beyond that. But here's what it looks like when we say, I want to put my treasure where my heart is. I'm all in. This is what it looks like to be a part of a body. I got one more. It's actually the hardest of all of them. You thought that was the hardest. There's a third, and I think it's really important, particularly in this season of life. For two years, we've been pulled apart. For months, we couldn't meet together. And then we could, and we sat distance. Remember those days, like every other row, three seats between. It was like, man. And it's, that's been a hard season. And it's, it's made one of the most important elements of being part of the body harder. So here's the third to write down. Step toward community. This has been an easy season to be anonymous, to just kind of sit back and step away and take it all in. But th there's a point where we decide, I'm going to be a part of a community. <laughs> I didn't have this in my notes, but when I went to that Providence College game, I, I'd already bought a Providence College hat because my son had decided to go there. But I didn't know, I didn't want to look like a homer. So I didn't wear it. I like stuck it in my pocket. I wanted to see if everybody else, and then I got in and I'm like, oh, everybody is wearing this stuff, right? I, I wasn't, I was, I was like testing it out. I was like, ah. And I get that. There's always that moment where you're, you're stepping in and you're like, how far am I ready? What does that look like? Here, here's what it says in Romans chapter 12. Verse 5, it says, so it is with Christ's body. There's that, that illustration again, right? We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. <laughs> we belong to each other. Sounds like a Taylor Swift song. I'm not going to ask you to sing it. We're not going to sing it. Maybe lyrics this summer. That would be kind of fun. Right? Maybe she, maybe she plagiarized this verse. I don't know. That wasn't in my notes either, right? We, we belong to each other. 
Like, that's what it looks like to, to be in community, to step out of anonymity. So listen, that looks different for everybody. I'm not trying to get you to do something crazy. But you know what? For some of you, a step towards community might just mean introducing yourself to someone. Like you've mastered the art of slip in, slip out, and nobody ever knew you were here. I could meet you in a place and you say, I've been going there for five years, but I never met you. But you don't even have to introduce yourself to me. That's cool. Like just introduce yourself to somebody. Introduce yourself to somebody you're sitting next to. You know, introduce yourself to a welcome desk. I'm just saying, take, take a first step because one of the most meaningful parts of being in a church community is belonging to each other. That's, that's, what, that's what it means. We belong to, we don't belong to an organization. We don't, we don't belong to a building. We don't belong to a pastor. We belong to each other. It's, it's, it's community. I'll tell you another great way to do that is, is to be a part of a group. We've got new groups that'll be starting up, spring groups starting up in a week. And you may have never been a part of a group. I, I, you say, what's the benefit of the group? We study the Bible, yes. You drink coffee, yes. You eat food, pretty good chance. I think, honestly, I don't, I don't mean to downplay any of those things. I think the most, the most significant thing that comes out of being a part of a group is friends. Just, like, like something happens in friendship. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I don't need any friends. Oh, you're a liar, so we all need friends. Listen, I'm not saying you got to have a best friend. I'm not saying you got to be a friend with everybody. But I'm saying you need friends. You need people you're connected with. And sometimes a group, and you may go to a group and go, those people are crazy. We'll try a different group. You may be the crazy one, though. I'm just saying. But we have groups for crazy people, too. So you can... I'm going to get in trouble for that. I know I'm going to get in trouble for that. Here's another one. Uh, and I'll finish with this. Uh, you, can, you can join a serve team. And you'll know we gave you a form that enables you to do that before you leave. We say, oh, that's slick, Pastor Ben. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. Let, let me tell you what, why being a part of a ministry team, serving in a ministry team, is so effective. Because you do two things. You make friends and you make a difference. I used to just think you made a difference, and that's what I would tell people. But here's what I've discovered is that serve teams are where most people get to know people at Cape Cod Church. They're working in a cafe together. They're greeting people at a front door together. They're working in a kid's ministry. They're working with teenagers. Lord love those people. Um, they're greeting people, right? They're, there's a, there's, they're, you know, they're on a worship team. They're on a tech team. They're doing all of these things across the body of a church, and in and, 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 in the process of doing something, they're doing it with people and they're, they're building relationships. And, and, and there's something beautiful about this. And listen, we've been through a season where a lot of our ministries had to stop. And for many of you, you kind of had, that was a moment for you to step back and you couldn't do something for a while. And maybe this is a moment for you to step back in. As we're kind of relaunching out of a pandemic and getting ready to start the second service and go back to all that, maybe this is a moment for you to, to step back in. And for some of you, you're brand new to Cape Cod Church. Brand new might mean the last two years and you're just kind of getting involved in it. And like, this would be an opportunity. I'll tell you something beautiful that's happened. We, uh, uh, this morning at nine o'clock, we met with about a hundred of our Sunday morning serve team. 
There are about 140 people. Some work every other week, some work every third week, some work every week. But this morning, we had a, a, a Sunday serve team. At 9 o'clock, we had a breakfast for all of them. And we've been doing this each month. You say, are you trying to bribe us? Maybe. Because the, the breakfast was epic. I'm like, it was, it's like, we're like, no joke. We love food. So you, if you're going to eat, it might as well be good food, right? And, and I mean, the first time we did this last fall, I was like, oh, who knew? Who knew there were this many people? And we gathered together for breakfast, and then we, we filled up the lobby, and we linked arms, and we prayed together. We prayed for this right here. We prayed for this. We prayed for this service and what God would do in this moment because we don't believe the work is our work. We believe it's God's work and it's his spirit at work and we're inviting him into it. But even that, even that breakfast, <laughs> even the breakfast is the work of volunteers. I mean, I mean, this is, in fact, when we started this, I went to a couple uh, and I asked them because I knew, I knew uh, that, that he and his wife, that they were, they were just incredible cooks and they've done stuff for us and chef and I asked them and every, every month, just on their own, they, just, they, go, they make this incredible breakfast for a hundred or so people and they bring it out here. And here's the crazy thing. Every, every month I ask them to stay around so we can thank them and they don't. And I thought, huh, I'm going to talk about this in service and I know exactly where they sit during service on Sunday morning and I'm going to thank him in front of everybody. So Tom and Mari up in the upper deck in the back chair, thank you. We thought they were sneaky and they'd get away. Not a chance. And here's the thing, man. I could tell you story after story after story. And you could too. I could tell you about Josh who's in the back room running camera stuff and has missed, I think, one Sunday in the last two years. Yeah. Now, now you got me nervous because I'm going to leave out, like, I'm going to leave a few hundred people out, right? I mean, I tell you, don't, you don't have to clap for all of them. Listen, I'm just saying that there's armies, like there's in the kids' town park. Here's, here's the thing. When we said, hey, for this season, we're going to go back to one service, that meant that a lot of people who were serving in kids' town that would come to one service and then serve in another service weren't going to be able to do that. And that meant they were going to have to miss out on the good stuff in here so they could serve back there. And to a person, they're like, we're in, 100%, we're in. I love the heart of people. And listen, here's the thing. You could name person after person in this church who's anonymous, who serves in the background, who nobody else knows about, but their ministry has touched your life and they're making a difference. This is what it looks like to be a part of a body. So I'm giving you some practical ways. But, but here's what I'm really saying. I'm just telling you, I believe in this thing. I've been at this 30 years at Cape Cod Church. I know I look way too young for that but 30 years. And I am more jacked up about the church than I've ever been. Listen, 2,000 years ago, Jesus dropped an unexpected idea. <laughs> and the idea was the church. And, and here's the deal. The church can be a mess sometimes. We do not get it right. Even, I'm not just talking about other churches. Like we, we try, we're working at it, but we're not perfect. And after 2,000 years, the church is cluttered with a lot of human baggage. And so when you say the word church, people are like, oh man, I love Jesus, but the church, man, what a... 
But for all of its faults, for all of its weaknesses, God is at work through his church. He is doing something powerful and incredible in this place, in this church, and through this church, and we get to be a part of it. And here's the thing. I don't believe it's just Cape Cod Church. In fact, you know, about five or six years ago, we launched something called the Thrive Conference because we, we, we felt like God had put us in a position as a church that he, he wanted to use us to help raise the spiritual temperature of Cape Cod for the next 50, 100 years. Some of you will remember, some of you long-term remember me talking about that. And we, it just, God made it clear to us at one point, listen, that's not just you, that's the church, the church, capital C church on Cape Cod. And so we said, what could we do to gather gospel-centered churches together? Because I'm telling you, it doesn't happen that often. And so this coming Friday night, we're, we're, we're going to have the fifth annual Thrive Conference, which is a gathering of gospel-centered churches. We've got 20 churches, 20 pastors who will be here serving communion. I'm just one. I'm not speaking. I'm not preaching. I'm not leading anything. I'm just, I'm just one of a crowd of people represent, and we're going to gather the church together. And all day Saturday, we're going to talk about how the church can make their communities a better place. It's a powerful day of breakouts and exploring and understanding what God can do. I hope that means you're coming um, because we're still registering. And then Friday night, we have this night of worship. And we gather the whole church together. Listen, and we're, I've got my friend Chris Gepner is coming to speak. So remember, he spoke for a men's breakfast. And we've got a combined worship team that Al is leading on that night. And, uh, and then we're going to finish with communion. I mean, it's the Lord's table. It's the Lord's people. And 20 pastors are going to serve communion across our, our, our congregation. And in display of union, because here's what we believe. We believe God is at work through the church, the capital C church, and he is at work in this church. And I want us to love the work of the church and this church. We get to be a part of both. So would you stand with me? We're going to close a little bit different. Um, I, I just want us to, to close. I'm not even sure. Yeah, I preached long again. Yeah. Wasn't as long as that message a few weeks ago, though. That was a record, 57 minutes, folks. I want us to pray for, uh, I want us to pray for the church in this region as we gather together on Friday night. Is it perfect? Mm -mm. We're not, they're not, together we're not. But it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And God is at work in it. Father, we believe that the church is yours. It's your body, the body of Christ. And Father, we just, we don't want to miss this moment. We want to lean into it, Father. We want to see a work of your, uh, of your spirit. We want to see something that only you could get credit for, Father. We want people from the outside to look and see and say, no one could make that happen. That's the work of God. That changed life is the work of God. That's what we want to see. And Father, we don't want to just see it here. We want to see a movement of it across our region. We want to live in unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We want to gather together with churches across our region 
who lift up your word and lift up Jesus Christ and proclaim the gospel week in and week out in places of small and large, Father. We want to be a part of that. Might they see you through our love, our unity, one with another. Father, thank you for this place. Father, I pray for the, the, the one who's here and is new and trying to figure out where they fit in and how to step forward. Father, just show them the right place. Give them the courage to take a first step. Unfold opportunity in front of them. Let them see when they take that step how you use them in ways that are small and big. And Father, let this year be the greatest year ever in the life of your church here at Cape Cod Church. We want to see a work unparalleled of your spirit, your power, the message and gospel of Jesus Christ working through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this message from our current series. If this is your first time listening, we'd love to meet you in person. We have services every Sunday at 10 a.m. in East Falmouth, Massachusetts, or join us for our Sunday live stream on YouTube at the same time. If you enjoyed the Cape Cod Church podcast, we hope you'll consider leaving us a review so that other people can discover us too. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode.